Good morning. Good morning. And grace and peace to you. Thank you, Jim. He's leaving. Hey, I think the Holy Spirit had something to do with that first song. Anybody notice that? Jim said we'd sing the refrain after the first verse, or the last verse. We sang it after every verse. Anyway, pray for Jimmy. He just walked out. We live in a world of communication technology. Anybody recognize that, what's going on today? Internet services, cell phone services, streaming services of all types for TV. Anybody get confused about what's available? Some's free, some's not. You can make phone calls, text, send pictures and videos and play games and everything else. There's such things as Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and I'm not mentioning them all. We're not advocating or promoting any of these. There can be followers and likes and subscribers and all other kind of stuff. Some have suggested that with all these communication options, that communication is worse than it's ever been. And it just might be. We get so stuck on our phone that we don't realize somebody else is in a room. And how many of you have seen the people at the restaurant sitting there, not talking to one another, but just doing something on their phone, whatever it is? Just like everything else, something comes along that has good opportunity, can, can function well for the world, whether we're talking about the telephone itself, television set, internet, the devil can take it and cause it to create problems and trouble for people. Even now, Cell phone and internet addiction are recognized as a legitimate mental health problems. Addiction. And they have a, a, have a term called nomophobia. The fear of being without your smartphone. No, don't laugh. It's serious. People are afraid to be without it. They feel lost. Isn't that odd? 30 years ago, we didn't have such things. Now we think we can't live without it. I know the way things are, you really need to have one, but again, you have to kind of keep perspective, what matters, people matter. Anyway, I don't want to go too far down that road, but we're going to use this as an analogy this morning. Being God, Jesus was years ahead of us in asking for followers. You ever think about that? Jim just led us in a couple songs. And being the word of God in the flesh, he was the first to do 
texting. Right? Did you ever think about it? This is his text, nice big text to us. As I think we have that little sign back there on top of the bookshelf or the shelf. God's saying something like, have you read my bestseller lately? There it is. Let's go to Luke 9. And we're going to use that whole idea this morning of being a follower of Jesus. Luke 9, 23, 24, this uh, thought here that Jesus presents is found in every gospel, and some of them it's found more than once. He says, he was saying to them all, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. Following Jesus, of course, is quite different from following someone on one of these uh, uh, platforms. We actually have to follow him. We actually have to do the kinds of things that he did to serve, to learn to be a servant, to speak the truth when we need to speak the truth, to teach others, to stand up against evil, to live a life that is devoted to God through loving service. We have to do something. Here's the biggest difference. Following Jesus is not just informational. It's transformational. That's what it's supposed to be. To be conformed to his image. To deny yourself. All those things that get in the way of me following him, I have to deny them. I have to try to get rid of them. I've used this quote before by one of my favorite authors, Andre Sio. She said, what I thought was my personality was really sin. It's around. We really have to look closely at ourselves. He tells us to deny ourselves, take up the cross daily, follow him, and speaks of us losing our life. Now, this doesn't mean that we don't have, have a life, that we don't have a family or we don't enjoy life, but this means that we are his servants, first of all. When he calls, we need to answer. And his, his will, his word need to be with us day by day, even moment by moment. Let's go to Mark 14. In keeping with our little analogy, we want to observe that Jesus has his own network. It's a 4G network, and I know some of you will be disappointed by that because you want the 5G network. Um, and we're not
not going to get into talking all about that, but his 4G network is more than enough to follow him. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to go through that network today. Mark 14, 32, the first stop in Jesus' network is Gethsemane. They came to a place named Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here until I've prayed. This, of course, is after the, he's instituted the supper. He's facing the cross. He's gone out to prepare himself for the next stop on the network. He took with him Peter, James, and John, began to be very distressed and troubled, and he said to them, My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch. And he went a little beyond them and fell to the ground, began to pray that if it were possible, the hour might pass him by. And he was saying, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet not I will, but what you will. This could, in fact, be the most important stop on the network. Jesus was facing the horrors of crucifixion. He knew what was coming. He had known it really from the beginning. And this was about more than him enduring the pain of the cross we're not, again, discounting the pain and the agony of the cross. But there are so many other things there that were happening. He would be bearing the sins of all people in his own body. This would be where sin and the devil were finally overcome and beaten in the flesh. And where a man could at last do all the will of God, even as we read about in Hebrews. Consider this, where he says, My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. That was right at that moment. That wasn't anticipating what was going to happen. That was at that moment. He was so overwhelmed by what was going to happen and where he was in his life and, and the gravity of the situation. We can't imagine. We cannot imagine what he was going through, thinking. Mental, emotional, spiritual struggle. Father, if this cup can pass, please have it pass. So we want to note that everyone who follows Jesus must come through Gethsemane. What I mean by that is you must wrestle with the horrors of sin and understand what havoc and trouble and pain and disruption that it causes to people. We were just, Shirley and I were just observing this past week and actually we forgot to have it announced that our nephew who was in the motorcycle accident did in fact cross over. Death. 
consequence of sin. And how many lives were affected by his death. We don't realize how much our own sin affects other people. We don't. We're just selfish and we do what we want and forget. I don't care what hurts somebody else. This is why Jesus says we have to deny ourselves. Sin has great consequences. We have to wrestle with those. We have to submit ourselves wholly to not what I will, but what you will. We have to do that, just like Jesus. And we may need to come there to Gethsemane more than once in a lifetime to reset and refocus that sin is a horrible thing. And we need to do the will of God. Let's go to John 19. The next stop is Gabbatha. John 19.7. Jesus here... Uh, of course, we just had the reading earlier about him being before the Sanhedrin. Now the Jews have him before Pilate. The Jews answered him, meaning Pilate, we have a law, and by that law he ought to die because he made himself out to be the son of God. Therefore, when Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid, and he entered into the praetorium again and said to Jesus, where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, you do not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and I have authority to crucify you? Jesus answered, you would have no authority over me unless it has been given you from above. This reason he who delivered me to you has the greater sin. As a result of this, Pilate made efforts to release him and the Jews cried out saying, if you release this man, you are no friend of Caesar. Everyone who makes himself out to be a king opposes Caesar. Therefore, when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the pavement, but in Hebrew, Gabbatha. Now, it was a day of preparation for the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. And he said to the Jews, Behold, your king. So they cried out, Away with him. Away with him, crucify him. And Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? And the chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. So he then handed him over to them to be crucified. We want to note here that not only, of course, is Jesus without sin in God's eyes, he lived the perfect life, but with Pilate, Pilate found no guilt in him either. We can read that back in verse 6 of this chapter. It says in another gospel that he recognized that they had delivered him up because of envy. Pilate does try to get him released. 
I give him some credit for that. He does know that Jesus is an innocent man. But this is a mob scene with the chief priest and officer of the temple stirring up the crowd. That's what it is. It's mob justice. The hearing is fair. Pilate says, I don't find anything wrong with him, no guilt. But out of fear, you see, to keep the peace in the streets and to pacify this mob, he gives in. There's a lot of ignorance here. People don't really know who Jesus is. There's envy. We know that in another place they said he's, he's going to take away our place and our nation. Look, everybody's gone after him. There's fear. That's part of that. You know, we'll, we'll not have a place now. There's hatred. All these things figuring in to this judgment. So we want to note that everyone who follows Jesus must expect a Gabbatha here and there along the way. You will not be judged fairly. Now we like to think in this nation we are, but sometimes we won't be. You will be rejected because of your faith. You will be laughed at because of your faith. You will be cut out of the group because of your faith. You will be disliked or even hated. And we do know that even now in some other countries, there are physical attacks on Christians and many are being put in jail. No fair hearing just because of what they believe and practice in their faith. But we must learn to stand our ground as Jesus did. He did not back down. He did not say, oh, I'll change my mind. He said, oh, no, I'm, I'm really not him. Not at all. He told his father, I will, I will drink the cup, and this was part of it. He was not treated fairly. The next stop, let's go to Matthew 27, is Golgotha. Matthew 27, 33. And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull, they gave him wine to drink mixed with gall, and after tasting it, he was unwilling to drink. And when they had crucified him, they divided up his garments among themselves by casting lots. And sitting down, they began to keep watch over him there. And above his head, they put up a charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. At that time, two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. And those passing by were hurling abuse at him, wagging their heads and saying, You are going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. The terrible pain, the agony, the mocking, the humiliation, all that with the cross. 
But we really need to understand what's happening here. God is being murdered. That's what's happening. The world is rejecting its creator and savior. The Jews are rejecting their prophesied Messiah. The Son of God is bearing the sins of all people in a sacrifice, a propitiation of himself. Sin and the devil are being overcome and defeated. In another place, Jesus says, of course, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And the forgiveness of sin and reconciliation with God are being made possible. And there's other things. The sacrifice of Christ, the Lamb of God. We need to understand everyone who follows Jesus must learn to sacrifice as he did at Golgotha. That's what it was, a sacrifice, a giving of a life. As we read in that first scripture, we must deny ourselves. That's sacrifice. Whatever it is we need to give up in order to serve the Lord, we need to do that. Now, sometimes we can't do it immediately. We can't do it overnight. We have to work at it, something that is deep-seated in us that we have trouble with or a problem with or we really have learned to like and depend upon but something that is not good. Sometimes we're called to service at the most inopportune times. Sometimes we're called to dig deep into the old wallet, deep into our hearts. We need to learn to sacrifice as he did. For the good of others, for Christ's name and honor and his service to give our lives for him. The last stop on the 4G network. These other stops are difficult. But we must stop there. We must go there. But this stop is really good. It's the good stuff. Not that serving the Lord isn't good, but sometimes it can be difficult. The last stop in Jesus' network is the garden. John 19, 38. After the crucifixion, says, After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but a secret one for fear of the Jews, Asked Pilate he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate granted permission, so he came and took away his body. Nicodemus, who had first come in by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pounds weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen wrappings with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. Therefore, because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. I found it interesting that right there where Golgotha was, there was a garden. I don't know if you ever thought about that. You know, a place where they 
they executed people. There's a garden right there. And I got to thinking about that. And I'm going to give you my opinion. You know, sometimes I always tell you when it's my opinion. So this is my opinion, thinking about Rome. And uh, going back to what one of the early historians said about Rome, in so many words it said they would come into a place, they would raise it, tear everything down, sow the place with salt, and call it peace. Rome was rough. You didn't obey Rome, you, you got it. They would make you pay. So this is what I'm thinking here. When Rome took over this area, that was all garden. And they wanted a place to show we are the power. And so they tore out part of that garden right probably on purpose. And there's probably a place where it could be easily seen and said, this is where we're going to crucify all those who don't obey us. We'll make, a, make an example of a lot of people here to keep the peace. Now that's just my thinking, so you can do with that what you want. Let's go on into chapter 20, verse 11. And we know, of course, that on the third day, praise God, Jesus is raised from the dead. But Mary was standing outside the tomb weeping, as, so, as she, so as she wept, she stooped and looked into the tomb. You know, there's all these stories of the disciples came, the women came, Mary was there. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and one at the feet, where the body of Jesus had been lying. And they said, dear woman, why are you weeping? Love these words. Why? She said to them, because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. And when she said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Sound familiar? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away... Tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. People died on crosses of wood. In fact, if you're familiar with the New Testament, you know several of the writers refer to the cross as the tree, don't they? He died on a tree. But trees and shrubs and flowers and fruit grow in gardens. Gardens mean life. I would say any of you here that actually own property probably have some kind of a garden, a little plot of something. Remember way back to the Garden of Eden. Designed for life. I have a lesson. A long time ago, I, I taught the story of two gardens. This is a little bit of it. 
That garden was meant to be a place where man could commune with God and have life. And of course, we know what happened in that garden. The serpent came in and Eve was deceived and they both ate of the tree and they had to leave the garden. They lost life. They lost that fellowship with God. But I see in this garden now that life is restored because in this garden Jesus came back to life. The tomb was in a garden. And in fact, Jesus is a gardener, is he not? Did he not create this world and all the beautiful plants and trees that we have? He is indeed literally and spiritually. So we understand if you follow Jesus, you will get to this garden of life. This is the end of the journey, if you will. The resurrection where life will be restored. But as we said, you must make all the other stops on the way. Gethsemane, Tabatha, Golgotha, to get to the garden. It's Jesus' 4G network. Please pardon that analogy, but I thought it might work. The question is, are you following Jesus? Have you been to all the stops? You know, the analogy uh, is a very serious one. Would you like to become a follower if you haven't started on that path we can help you do that so we encourage you to come and talk with us give us a call connect with us through the internet through the website however you can we're available but be sure and get on Jesus 4G network Someday you get to the garden. God bless you.